The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 12th chapter. The Gospel is printed on the back of your bulletin, or you can follow along in your pew Bible on page 794. While he was speaking to the crowds, his mother and his brothers were standing outside, wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. But to the one who had told him this, Jesus replied, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Word of life, word of God. Please be seated. The preaching text today comes to us from Hebrews 2, excuse me, verses 10 through 18. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom all things exist, in bringing many children to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one Father. For this reason, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I and the children whom God has given me. Since therefore the children share flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared the same things, so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For it is clear that he did not come to help angels, but the descendants of Abraham. Therefore he had to become like his brothers and sisters in every respect, so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make a sacrifice of atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself was tested by what he suffered, he is able to help those who are being tested. Word of God, word of life. Grace to you and peace from God, our Creator and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. One of my favorite things about graduation parties is those photo displays that everyone has now, where you get to see what the high school seniors looked like as babies and toddlers and all through the years. I am always so curious about the events that are highlighted. Maybe it's a favorite birthday party or a memorable Halloween costume. Maybe even some regrettable fashion choices. All of these family celebrations and milestones are highlighted in these images. And they trace a journey through a person's life. And they prompt storytelling about the memories of all those times, the joyful and the bittersweet. And it's not just at graduation parties, right? We see this with slideshows and picture boards at milestone birthdays or at funerals, all these places where we're marking somebody's story. And as we reminisce over these images, we think about where we've been, where we are now, and where we might be going. And today the author of Hebrews presents us something similar, a collage of images about Jesus and what it means to follow him. 
rich with ideas that help us think about where we've been, where we are now, and where we might be going. And so this first image we hear about is Jesus as the pioneer of salvation. And when you think of a pioneer, you might have the same image I do of Laura Ingalls Wilder. Uh, my dad read me that whole series of books when I was a little girl, and while the details and adventures are different in each book, they share this common theme, that hope of finally finding new life in a new landscape with rich, free, rich farmland and freedom from relying on anyone but themselves. It's that oldest version of the American dream, right? But of course, as these books tell us, it wasn't as easy as choosing somewhere new and setting up a home. We also hear about the struggles of crop failure and conflicts with the local native tribes, harsh winters, malaria, a plague of locusts on the wheat field, and a variety of other hardships through the course of their homesteading experience. Doing something new and being a pioneer is not without a struggle. And Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the pioneer. The pioneer who opens a new way to God and new life. Through Jesus, the way to life with God is opened up for bringing many children to glory, a relationship with God. We sang about it with our Luther Crest staff, right? I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And the author goes on to say that Jesus was made perfect through this suffering. And now, many of you know that perfect is a difficult word for me, and especially when it is paired with suffering, because I don't really subscribe to that idea that um, my suffering is on purpose. Uh, but the word that the author of Hebrews uses here isn't so much about doing something without flaw or uh, held up to a certain standard. Instead, it's based on a Greek word that has a meaning about reaching a goal. And so Jesus reaches a goal through his sufferings. One commentary puts it this way, Jesus' suffering is the end, but it is part of the way to God. His suffering is unique because it is done on our behalf, and it conveys the love and grace that create a relationship with God. And Jesus' suffering also proves assurance that even though those who follow the pioneer will also encounter suffering, it is not God's final word. Jesus has made a future for his followers. By grace, they too move through their suffering and into a future where resurrection and new life have the last word. And so then we get this fuller picture of Jesus. Jesus enters fully into the reality of human suffering in order to open the way to new life. But not only that, Jesus' sufferings, much like our own, change him. They add to Jesus' perfect ability to reflect the Father's nature that we heard about last week in chapter 1. And this new ability to identify perfectly with you and I and all human beings. Because there now is nothing that we experience that Jesus has not also experienced, including suffering and death. 
I recently read a collection of memoir essays entitled Tell Me More by author Kelly Corrigan, and they're loosely connected by the theme of grief and the reality of life, including suffering. And in one essay, she recounts the story of when she visited a summer camp for kids who had lost a parent. She, asked, she was asked to talk to one of the teenagers, and the hope is that maybe she would offer some sage wisdom because her father had recently died, and after all, she was an adult and a celebrated author. But instead, she was surprised to have the tables turned. As she spoke with the teenage girl, she found herself sharing her grief about her father's death and was surprised when the girl placed a hand on her back and simply said, I know. All Kelly's adult friends and family had tried to make her feel better with platitudes and sympathy, but this teenage girl and her simple gesture and two small words were the balm to her grieving soul that Kelly needed. Because of his sufferings, Jesus can say to us, I know, and truly mean it. And this doesn't just mean his suffering on the cross. Jesus has experienced fleeing from violence and being a refugee in Egypt. He has suffered the death of his friend Lazarus. He knew the exhaustion of working and the need for retreat and rest. He endured the betrayal of friends and trusted companions. He was in conflict with religious and civil authorities. He was rejected by larger society because he spent time with those on the margins, tax collectors and sex workers and other undesirable table mates. He was the subject of violence. He was accused of being mentally ill. He did not have a permanent home. He feared death. He was arrested. He was put on trial and executed by the state. So in all of that, there is nothing that we or our loved ones might experience that Jesus does not also know. And this is the best news. Not only does Jesus know what it is like to suffer, these things that go on in our lives are not barriers to a relationship with God. Because even in all our mess, Jesus is not ashamed to call us family, to claim us as his own. There are plenty of people who would look at that, those images of our lives, especially the ones we don't put on those collages, and make a judgment about whether we belong or not. But Jesus calls us brothers and sisters. Being called one of his siblings is an act of grace. It offers us a sense of dignity and fellowship within this family. We are loved and claimed with all of our messy lives, and still invited to follow on the path that leads to new life. And we can joyfully follow because Jesus is also the liberator. Hebrews tells us that Jesus shared flesh and blood so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. And it's talking about literal death, but it's also talking about other kinds of death. The fear of any kind of death that keeps us from turning toward one another as friends and neighbors. Yes, physical death, but also death of our own power, death of our way of life, death of tradition, 
death of familiarity, and death of comfort. Because there is still sin and brokenness in the world, we are drawn into situations where evil bends our wills. And despite the fear, we cannot break free on our own. But Jesus uses the love of God as a weapon against the forces of evil, which he conveys through his own suffering and death. Jesus' crucifixion shows us that God is not willing to let the world remain under the dominion of other powers. In the crucified and risen Christ, God confronts evil with love and deception with truth. And this is what sets people free. That's why I chose this book about Harriet Tubman to read this morning with our kids. But it has a message for all of us, doesn't it? She holds that broom in her hand and God shows her a weapon, but says, you will not harm anyone and no harm will come to you as well. We heard that freedom brought new woes. She missed her family. She kept dreaming of those who were still in captivity. And so I want to show you the pages. The whole book is just my favorite thing in the whole world. But I want to read to you again the image and the part that is so striking to me. Harriet goes to church, finds not just holy ground, but a stopping place, a station along the Underground Railroad that slaves travel to freedom. Harriet hands out shirts and shoes, serves butter beans and biscuits to newly arrived runaways while agents who plot escape paths pass on secret routes that she learns by heart. Finally, a conductor, a guide, she turns to God. I am ready, Lord, lead me. Harriet, I will make a way for you. Risking her own life, Harriet returns to the dreaded South and rescues her family, but she dreams of slaves still in the yoke. She hears their groans, sees their tears, tosses and turns in her sleep, then God opens her eyes. Harriet, be the Moses of your people. But I am a lowly woman, Lord. Harriet, I have blessed you with a strong body, a clever mind. You heal the sick and see the future. Use your gifts to break the chains. I will do as you say, Lord. I will show others the way to freedom that you have shown me. Save all you can, daughter. Those pages remind me of a quote from an original active, uh, aboriginal activist group from Queensland in the 1970s that says, if you have come here to help me, you are wasting your time, but if you have come because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together. Harriet Tubman embodied this. Her freedom wasn't really freedom unless she could bring her family and all those who were still enslaved. And just as God says, I will make a way for you, Harriet, God says the same to us. Jesus shows us the way to freedom. Jesus says to us, I know. Jesus calls us family. And that is good news for each of us as individuals, but not just for each of us. It's also a word to our community, 
for the sake of the body of Christ. If we are free but our neighbor is not, how can any of this be good news? Matthew said that whoever does the will of God in heaven is Jesus' brother and sister and mother. We see the will of God in the person of Christ. We can look at Jesus, his life, his teaching, his mercy and justice, and be confident that we are seeing the true image of God. We see him embracing the ones nobody else would embrace. We see him confronting the religious people with the falseness of their self-righteousness. We see him forgiving sinners and restoring people to their right mind. We see him teaching people to follow the commandments by loving God wholeheartedly and loving others sincerely. Jesus makes the way for us and calls us to follow. So let us work together as brothers and sisters of Christ, following the path laid before us through struggle, discomfort, and yes, even death in all its forms, confident that our brother Jesus is leading us to new life now and in the age to come. Amen.